should you take a four-hour gig? I mean, that's a long time. And hey, the money pays good, right? Well, it's really up to you. When you consider a big gig like that, because let's face it, if you are gigging right now, chances are you probably have dreams and aspirations of doing this full time, of going on tour. So how do you protect your mental, vocal, and confidence stamina in the midst of it all? I recently had an experience that I hope will help you as well. So ya tu sabe, grab your cafecito and let's go. Hola, I'm Melissa B. Cartwright, voice and performance coach and Latin creative with over 20 years of professional singing experience and encouraging others to do the same. I believe that both mental and vocal preparation is key to creating confident performing artists. You'll hear stories and advice from me and my guests that will make you think, it'll make you laugh, but most importantly, it will make you walk away saying, phew, I'm glad I'm not the only one. So pour yourself a cup of coffee, y bienvenido to Cafecito with the Coach. All right, let's dive in, my friend, to my experience of surviving my first four-hour gig. I've had experiences before, and I've booked contracts for musical theater shows where I was doing eight shows a week, sometimes nine, ten, depending on two show days. And I've been performing around town where I live now for close to two years here in coastal Virginia. And I've gigged before many years ago, just have have had breaks in between. I have never done a four-hour gig by myself. It was the restaurant that I normally gig at, and somebody booked a birthday party. Thankfully, this client actually saw me at one of the previous gigs. When he booked the restaurant for the gig, said, hey, I'd like the chick that sings the piano (laughs) for my wife's birthday party. And so I was so grateful that I was referred and wanted and hired to do it. And so let me, (laughs) I'm going to be real with you. When the restaurant manager called me and said, Melissa, they've asked for you. And sure, awesome, birthday party, how fun. Well, they're asking for five hours. And I was like, um, <laughs> how about four? And they're like, yeah, 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 four hours, four hours. So the, uh, to, okay, so imagining myself with five hours, just myself and music, That makes me even a little squirmy right now as I say it out loud. So four hours I knew was going to be a lot. But after having performed for for two years in the area, I knew that I had a library worth of four hours of music that I could do. So as big as it seemed, I was up for the challenge. And I also booked this gig. Was it like, yeah, four or five months ahead of the actual gig date. So there was plenty of time, right, to come up with a plan for how to do this. And I was genuinely excited. Like I was looking forward to the challenge. I knew financially it was going to be a blessing. Like, yeah, definitely. But I already had a plan in place of how I was going to do this, right? So I want to leave you with basically some takeaways from my story that I hope will help you as you navigate You know, whether or not you're going to take the gig in the first place and what to do to help you get ready for it. Like I said, over the course of the two years, I have been building, obviously, songs in my library to perform. I do this with a good old-fashioned Excel spreadsheet. I know there's probably different things, whether it's Google Docs or whatever format you want to use to keep track of all of your songs that you do. I just have a master list 
of all the titles I've performed, and I still have songs on that set list that I haven't performed yet. Being the artist that I am, which is a Latin jazz pop artist in that genre, and most of my sets are bilingual, I already have a niche, right? I already have a genre from, from which I'm pulling a lot of my music. So for me, that's a mix of bachatas, boleros, which are like old romantic classic um, Spanish love songs, pop hits, the pop hits that I enjoy singing that I think are suitable for my voice and that I really enjoy, bossa nova, all right, because I do Latin jazz. Let's see, salsa, merengue, uh, cumbia, vallenato. See, these are all Latin music genres, and there are so many of them, right, that I feel I do best at and really are part of my brand. You know, when we think of brand, a lot of times we think of social media, marketing, business, but as an artist, you kind of have to think about your brand as well. And that's going to guide the kind of music that you are going to choose, as well as your audience, right? And so I have soulful songs in there. For instance, I've done an Aretha Franklin cover of Natural Woman. And you know mainly why I do it? Because I love singing that song. And because I have a mix of jazz songs as well, it flows in my set list, right? I'm not necessarily going to also do, for instance, a big Mariah Carey belter for the kind of environment that I'm also singing in. Because a lot of times I get booked for restaurants, right? It's not just me in the room. It's a whole ambiance that I'm working with, right? So I'm not going to sit there and belt out someday, you know, because that might be a little distracting for the ambiance. If you're paying a ticket to come see me, and it's an actual concert event hosted by the restaurant, it's a whole different vibe. See what I mean? So you really have to understand your artistic brand as well as the environment that you're going to sing in, okay, and what the intent is. So for instance, this four-hour gig was for a 50th birthday party, okay? And it, was, it happened to be for a lady from Venezuela. Her husband's American, so he knew that the guest list was also going to be eclectic and bilingual. So we wanted songs in English and in Spanish. And that's my bread and butter. So thankfully, that was already working to my advantage. So when I created my set list, I had plenty of songs that I knew the ebb and flow of what I wanted to communicate. So we were going to be celebratory because they'd already seen my vibe. And what I usually do is I accompany myself on piano. And sometimes I'm working with percussion tracks as well to spice things up for the more rhythmic salsa songs, merengue songs, or even some of the boleros as well to add Latin percussion. So thankfully, they already knew my vibe. They hired me. They wanted me. I, d I didn't have this big guessing game as to, oh, no, what should I sing? What will they want? They already knew me and hired me because of that. Now, I also knew from my setless creation that I had breaks in between. So when I negotiated my contract, I negotiated three 15-minute breaks, right? So the gig for four hours from, was from three to seven. 
So basically, every 45 minutes or so, I was I had a 15-minute break. Usually, I take a 10-minute break in a two-hour set. I purposely extended these a little longer just because of the weight of the set list and the length of it as well. I also, being an instrumentalist, planned on adding more instrumentals inside the songs so that I would not tire out my voice. Also, I had a backup plan too. My husband, thankfully, is a wonderful and talented musician himself. He is a keyboardist. He's a drummer. He's a percussionist and a beautiful singer. So I already knew that the restaurant has a set of congas and some hand percussion. (laughs) And so I basically hired my husband to come join me and also join me on some of the vocals and add harmonies and maybe even give him some of the solo lines and have him fill in on some of the percussion so that I wouldn't have to come up with, you know, over 50 percussion tracks as well. So I used that to leverage basically my vocal load and also add variety to the set list as well. So thankfully that worked in my favor. Um, we did some fun duets. Think he's a great Spanish speaker. He won't give himself credit for that because he's a gringo, but <laughs> he speaks it beautifully. And so he was able to add some harmonies on some of the uh, songs in Spanish, especially some of the songs that had a lot of echo parts in it as well. And then if he felt the spirit move, he's a professional musician, he he added whatever parts as well. We did rehearse some of them for sure. But because he's also such a talented percussionist, he could add a little spice here and there. And visually too, even though our audience was preoccupied eating, drinking, enjoying one another, you know, from, from a visual standpoint, it was nice to see myself at the keys and then a set of congas with a very handsome gentleman, you know, and just like provide music for such a wonderful celebration. So if you know that, you know what, I actually have some resources I could tap into. This is going to pay me very well. You might want to consider, you know, paying a portion of what you're getting to hire a fellow friend or musician to join you, you know, whether it's a percussionist, whether it's another vocalist to share the load. Um, That way, and let me tell you something, I'm so glad I did that because it then it made the time go by really super fast, not just because we were having a good time, but because, oh my goodness, you know, it provided variety. Um, and and even the patrons were were really into what we were doing as well and complimented my husband um, as much as they complimented me. The birthday girl really loved it. And it was really sweet. It ended up being a reflection of this couple, you know, who's the husband's American, the wife is Latina. And here's this Latina and her American husband provided music, providing music as well. So it was just a sweet little detail, but also one that helped your girl out with vocal stamina as well. So in terms of stamina and energy levels, I knew obviously with plenty of time that I was not going to book a lot of things that week other than my normal vocal load of teaching voice lessons. I said no to social gatherings or extra social gatherings. I made sure that I got enough sleep every single night, right? So I wasn't like Netflixing my shows (laughs) to go to sleep or anything. I made sure that I got enough rest. I still stuck to my movement regimen 
made sure I hydrated. If I knew, and I do this, I do this on a regular basis with my gigging engagements, but for this one in particular, I wanted to be a little bit more hypervigilant and, and guard those things that I knew were going to help me set or that were going to set me up for success with my vocal health, right? And not take any chances. Um, also making sure like that I had my outfit planned out and the things that I know for me preoccupy my mental stamina. I wanted to know ahead of time that everything was taken care of. Imagine your performance week feeling grounded and filled with celebration instead of chaos, stress, and wait until the last minute anxiety. My new seven days to the stage journal is here to make that happen. Get ready to shine with tips and support for your mental, vocal, stage, and logistical preparation. Download your free journal when you sign up for my Notes of Encouragement newsletter at mbcperformance.com. Now, I would like to report that the entire gig was flawless. There were no mistakes, no issues. But alas, we are humans and things happen. And as a gigging musician, you understand that part of your superpower is your flexibility. (laughs) So listen, I got there. And this restaurant had a new sound system that I was able to plug into and debut and use and a new stage. It was really exciting for me as a musician, as an artist to to perform in such a fun space. But here's what happened. Two songs into the set list, their monitor system went out. Okay. They promise, you know, along with this new sound system comes some things that you just got to navigate, right? And my husband, thankfully, because he was playing an an auxiliary instrument, he was able just to kind of sneak off the side of the stage, (laughs) go around and take a look at the mixing board and see what happened. Unfortunately, we did not have a sound engineer there at our disposal. We were the sound engineers and the restaurant management also didn't know what to do with the system and, and with it. So Thankfully, the speakers out in the house of the restaurant sounded great. The mix sounded wonderful out there. But every singer knows, if you cannot hear yourself, then guess what you're going to do? You're going to oversing. <laughs> Chances are you're going to oversing to compensate for the fact that from an auditory perspective, you don't know what you're doing, right? You can't hear what you're doing. And so I thought, oh my goodness, we are at the beginning of a four-hour set. How in the world am I going to hear myself? And my friend, I never perfectly heard myself. But here is where my training supported me, okay? I was able to pull back vocally, and for a couple of the songs, my husband would actually go out in the house and guide me, basically, either bring it up, bring it down, and let me know if I needed to adjust vocally any of my own levels. I've also, because of my training, learned how to be able to feel the sensations of my singing in my body, right? So I know when I'm singing in a way that has great resonance, it feels easy because I've learned how to tune in to those sensations in the front of my face, inside my mouth, the way my neck and shoulders feel when I sing from a place of ease and efficiency, okay? So I was able to tap into that, even though from an auditory standpoint, things were not what would be ideal. 
I was able to feel my way through my set list with my voice training. Also, (laughs) thankfully, my keyboard actually has, when I use percussion tracks that are on my keys, the lights light up with the metronome, right? So when it's keeping the beat, I can see the pulsating um, light go on and off. And so let me tell you, there were so many times that my eyes were bouncing and glancing down to make sure that it was one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four on those percussion tracks. And I was also able to interact with my husband, look over to my left shoulder, kind of guide him with my hand. And I had practiced and trained in a way. Thankfully, we're, we, we know each other's vibe because we've worked together where I can you know, quote unquote, conduct him. But what I'm really doing, I'm kind of pointing at him and bopping my head up and down. And it looks like I'm so into him and vibing with him. But ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you my secret. I am secretly conducting him. (laughs) I'm secretly letting him know, hey, this is the beat. And this is what we're doing. Because you know what what started happening? The audience, the crowd, the birthday crowd, after a few drinks, they were feeling themselves. They were so happy. They were so into it. Guess what they started doing? Clapping along. And we always know that our audiences don't always clap on beat. That's okay. They're into it. They also started singing at the top of their lungs along to us. So yay for audience involvement. But oh no, we've got... We've got another audio challenge here with a system where a monitor was not working. Okay, so no monitor, loud crowd. I was having to really dig deep and trust my training, trust my body intuition, trust that my husband, who was closer to one of the house speakers, could also look at me let me know with nodding of a head and everything that we were together. And thankfully, you know, from the audience responses that were positive, you know, we, we didn't have any train wrecks going on. My goodness, I'm so thankful for that. So I want to let you know, right? Like not every performance situation is going to be ideal. And this is the importance of investing in your own voice training, in your own performance training, so that you have these tools at your disposal in real life concert situations where things will not go as planned, but you are going to give them an amazing show, an amazing gig. My friend, we got through it. We didn't just get through it. We enjoyed ourselves, even in spite of the troubleshooting. And we made a great amount in tips. They still allowed us to have a tip jar out. And even the person who booked the party tipped above and beyond on top of what they were already paying us. So it was an incredible learning experience, to say the least, in what to continue working on and training on. And let me tell you, I am the monitor police now. (laughs) I've always kind of been, especially when I'm advocating for my own singers and showcases that I've produced. But my goodness, my friend, advocate for the for being able to listen to yourself. Doesn't matter the monitor out, you know, monitor mechanism that you're using, whether it's a wedge, whether it's in-ears, make sure that you can listen to yourself, sing and perform and protect your vocal stamina. So let's talk after the show, yeah? I get paid, 
get wonderful accolades from from this wonderful group of people and this birthday celebration. My husband and I went out to dinner. He already knew that mama needed to be silent. I gave myself 10 to 15 minutes of vocal rest. And I, I pointed, he's like, where do you want to eat? And I, I pointed to like a restaurant down the street. You know, he took care of it all because, you know, I was able to pull back and make those vocal adjustments. But to have to do that for four hours, it was a lot. It was a lot. So obviously with such a, a vocal demand, I definitely wanted to have the silence to have restorative power as well. I cooled down my voice. Um, with slides and, and with everything, you know, in my toolkit with a straw. And I can say, you know what? I'm really proud of this. I can say that having given myself that time and after that time, I enjoyed my pizza dinner with my hubby. I was able to start speaking in a way that felt efficient. The place we were at was nice and quiet, right? I, I definitely said, please, let's not go anywhere. <laughs> a lot of noise or ambient noise. It was nice and quiet. I was able to speak at a level that felt good, that felt like I was practicing flow phonation and all these things that I knew were going to be restorative to my speaking voice after having engaged the way that I did for four hours with my singing voice, which is all one voice, right? They're not two separate things. It's one instrument. So after, you know, that was immediately after. And then what I always like to do after my gigs is audit them, meaning, okay, what songs did I actually perform? Which songs did I not, right? And the ones that I don't, I go back and highlight, and then I kind of save those for the next gig, right? To build out that set list, especially if it's at the same venue. Um, Because then if it's somewhere else, you can repeat set lists, and maybe I'll do a whole nother episode on set list creation, yeah? I'll save it for that. But my friend, that was my experience. I'm glad that I learned from it. And the big question is, will I do another one? I'm not so sure. (laughs) If I do another four-hour gig, I think I'm definitely going to plan on doing that with another musician, for sure, whether it's my husband again or somebody else, um, just to provide variety and that load. I'm, I'm so glad that I did do it. I think that my experience taught me a lot. And I hope that you're sitting here, I don't know whether, if you're taking notes or anything, but that you're encouraged as well, knowing what your artistic vision is for your live performances, especially if you're performing at local venues, such as restaurants, breweries, whatever the case may be, and what you want to do as a career. So my friend, you got this, right? I just want to make sure that you're always taking care of your brain. You're taking care of your voice and you're taking care of your soul as an artist, performing music that makes you feel like you can come alive and that still brings you tons of joy and passion when you do. Break a leg, my friend. You got this. For more information about how to begin your performance journey, visit mvcperformance.com. Hasta la próxima.